Grace is not easy to define. Well, actually, it is easy to define, but not very easy to understand or to absorb. Because grace, if I give you definition, and definition is to receive something that you don't deserve, free of charge for free, it doesn't really tell me anything. That's why when I'm talking about grace, I like to talk about pictures that, or stories that represent grace. One thing is to give you some theological perspective on grace. A totally different story is to illustrate grace. And this is how it goes. Let me just tell you, uh, for the next months, I want to take some time and learn about grace from the stories, more from the stories. And this is why. Did you know that the Bible says that Jesus was full grace of grace and truth? Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible says that Moses brought the law? Jesus brought grace and the truth. And yet, Jesus has never mentioned grace when he was here on the earth. At least in the Bible, you cannot find it. Apostle Paul, he was teaching about grace. He was explaining about he, the, 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 the nature of grace. He was talking a lot about grace. Jesus never. Why? Because he was full of grace. The grace was dripping out of him. He was living grace. He was demonstrating grace. And he was not talking about grace. Now, my prayer today, that by the end of this message, you get really inspired by the Holy Spirit to become or follow that example, to become a person of grace. That's what we need today. And us as a church to become a church of grace, that the grace is dripping out of us as a church. And for all, in order for me to do that, I need to check an example. I need to see what Jesus did as an example. I don't want to preach about grace. I want to show grace. I want to live grace. I want to demonstrate grace. I want to practice grace. I want to be full of grace. I want to be filled with grace. Grace of God. And on the, that same note, I, I am I'm daring to propose this. What we need in society today? We need more grace. That's the solution. Protests, they're good. We can protest forever. 
they don't solve the problem. They don't solve the fissure. They don't solve the divide. They don't solve nothing, essentially. We can get more rights. We can get, get more law. We can get more protection. doesn't resolve anything. Why? Because we need grace. And I would like to briefly talk about five expressions of grace demonstrated in the story. Demonstrated in the story because, again, when I talk about grace from the theological perspective, it's just a dry letter that really does not show me anything. I want to see and look at the person who was filled with grace, who never taught about grace, who never, who never instructed people on grace, but who demonstrate grace every single time. And before I, I do that, I would like to give you this uh, quote by Joseph Prince, who says, sin does not stop God's grace from flowing. No. That's what religion says. Religion, religion teaches that if you sin, the grace will stop. Religion teaches that if you have a problem, don't come to the communion table because you will get problem. Faith teaches that if you have problem, run to the communion table because you will find a solution. That's the difference, and that's a fundamental difference. Because sin does, cannot stop God's grace from flowing, but gra God's grace will stop sin. And that's the premise of today's discussion. And by the way, just for those people who like numerology, biblical numerology, five is the number of grace. <laughs> that's why I have five dimensions of grace today. Five is the number of grace. So if your son is in a soccer team, you can either get number seven or number five. Either one of those will work. <laughs> anyway. All right, so here is another demonstration of my technical mind. You got to love it. You just, you just have to love it. The, the, the base scripture is John 1.17. The Bible says, for the law was given through Moses. The grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, I, I, I just want to give you this illustration of two different systems, two different economies, two different standpoints, completely different, Moses and the law, and the system of grace that came with Jesus. It's a completely different economy and a way of thinking and approach to God. Because through law, we wanted to approach God. Through grace, God approached you in Jesus Christ. Those are completely different 
ways how to resolve the issue. And the law never made anybody perfect. And it was just a bare minimum for people to maintain some level of holiness or righteousness. And even that people could not maintain. So it no, never resolved, never solved anything. And then Jesus came and he brought grace and truth. That's basically two different positions that we will see clearly today. And by the way, that happened 2,000 years ago, and it's still happening today. In churches, in our lives, we can either have position of law or position of grace. With that being said, let me demonstrate this uh, illustration or explain this illustration. Um, as you can see, this is the water tower that I draw on the picture. It's an awesome thing. And then in a house, you have faucets that you use water, right? Now, the source, number one, the source of water, it comes from the lake or comes from the water reservoir or comes from any other places that has unlimited supplies of water. That's God. God has unlimited supplies of grace. God has unlimited supplies of love. We call it unconditional love. It's not limited. Because see, in, in, in our lives, we are always conditioned to think in limited terms. Remember we were talking about grace period in the credit card? Or when you pay mortgages, they give you grace period 15 days. If you don't pay after 15 days, grace period ends, and then you have to pay interest. That's human approach to, to, to grace. It's limited. Now, in God's world, there is no limit for grace. Grace is unlimited. The source of God's grace is unlimited. I want to just mention that. There is nothing in this world is so outrageous that cannot be covered by the grace of God. Can you, can you just think about this for a second? But this tower that I have here, it's the grace that is readily available for you provided by Jesus Christ. God always was gracious God. And then Jesus Christ came on this earth and he made the mechanism of providing the God's grace towards you, water tower. But here is the problem. The grace in your faucet is not automatic. You need to open the faucet. There is pressure there. The grace is available, but you have to open it to receive it. That's called, by grace, through faith. In other words, grace is available for everybody on this earth. The water is coming to every single heart on this, on this, on this earth. The problem is that many people while having water inside and have access to water, 
choose not to use it. And that's where we come in as Christians, as believers. We are preachers or we are announcers of God's grace. And we come to people and say, did you know the good news? What's the good news? The water is running to your heart. Recently, I had a situation where a person wanted to buy the, the property in, uh, in Agawam, nice, nice piece of land, but there was no water. There was no water. And I figured, well, if you don't have water, you need to drill the well. And it cost a lot of money to bring the water from underneath. And then I decided to just go ahead and check with the town to see what the story of it is. I checked with them, and they said, well, there is a water at the property. The pipe is going right through the property. It's a matter of connecting and using the water. Unlimited supply of water. You can use whatever you want. Now, can you imagine what kind of wonderful news it is today to bring to people the news that you have God's grace at your disposal. Just take it. And one thing that I wanted to mention is this. It's not that the grace will be provided to you. The grace is in the tower. The pressure is there. Jesus Christ paid the price for all the sin. It's just a matter of receiving it. That's all what it is. Now, with that being said, I wanted to go to today's story that shows the grace, that demonstrates the grace, that illustrates the grace, the story that makes grace not a theoretical phenomenon, but practical application. And that's what I need in my life. And the story goes that a group of people, uh, the Bible says the Pharisees and Sadducees, people who represented the law, the law of Moses, grabbed the woman in something that was unlawful to do. She was doing a mistake. I, when I read this story, I always wonder when did they grab her? <laughs> did they grab it right away or waited? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But it's kind of weird. These this Pharisees and Sadducees, they were, they were pervert, I think, I think in, in some way. They grabbed her right in the middle of that, of that act. So they brought her to Jesus, and here is the, here is the, 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 the balance or two sides of the story. On one side, you have a law of Moses bringing woman to a person who represents grace. And you have grace on one side, law on the other side, and in the middle you have the woman 
who made a mistake. I want to see how the person filled with grace, who represents grace of God, react in this situation. Remember, we were talking about blame storming. Do you, do you experience any blame today? Are you blaming yourself? Are you, do you, do you have something that you regret in your life? You made a mistake and you have guilt and guilt sometimes goes into shame. And I put this, this progressive here, guilt produces inadequacy in our lives. We feel like we are less than, which in return produces anxiety. And that's how people start to self-medicate. Because all the issues in, in, in people's life, when we have a situation where people are angry or people are addicted to something, boils down to that very issue. Guilt, shame, in, inadequacy, less than, and then you become a person who experiences anxiety. You, 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 you always have these anxiety issues, and you always try to prove somebody and yourself that you are worth of people's respect and acceptance, and so on. That's how it works. And so they come to Jesus, and, and the law says, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, to kill her, death. What do you say? Grace, what are you saying? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus... But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. That's the grace, illustration of grace, guys. If you want to learn something about grace, look at Jesus. How do I react with, do you know how many times people come to me and say, Pastor, how come you're not saying anything? Pastor, how come you're not condemning this? Pastor, how come you don't forbid people coming like this? Pastor, how come you don't tell her, don't tell him, and so on and so on? Stoop down. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. Religion is very easy and simple and quick to point things out. You are wrong. You are wrong. You did this. You did that. You did not meet the standard. You don't, feel, you don't get to the, to, do, to the level of your godliness and so on and so on. But Jesus took down. Now, this is the first point or my observation of Jesus in this story. And what I observe is an act of acceptance. Now, Pay attention, this is not Jesus accepting the sin or excusing the sin. No, no, no. He is accepting the person, imperfect, sinful, person who made a mistake, but I accept you. I 
don't reject you. I don't tell the law, go ahead and take her and put her in a prison. I still accept you. With your problems, with your issues, with your character flaw, with your wimps, with everything else, grace accepts. If I can only learn to be like Jesus, if we as a church can learn to be accepting church, and I will explain a little bit more later how it works in the practical Actually, Romans, Paul teaches about this. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you. That's the commandment. Even though we might be not like other people, we might have some issues, we might be doing something that is not to our liking or to our standard, accept one another just like Jesus accepted you. So this woman is staying here. She is clearly made a mistake. Now, not only she made a mistake, but she's staying in shame. Remember, imagine she's staying wrapped up in the bedsheets. So it's, it's a shameful, shameful situation. Less than a person. I don't deserve to be among these respectful, honorable folks like Pharisees and Sadducees. And Jesus is writing on the, on the ground and he demonstrates with all his body language I accept this person the way how she is. Then, when they kept on questioning, because sometimes religion can be persistent or sometimes fanatical even, he straightened it up and said to them, or the other uh, translation says, stand up. He stood up. He stood up. Now, this is the second expression of grace. Grace always protects. Yes, the law says that if you violate the law, you will have the punishment. Grace says, yes, but I am going to protect this person from the punishment that she deserves. I even try to imagine how it happened. Jesus is writing on the paper. They are trying to persist or insist on administering the, the judgment on the lady. And all of a sudden, Jesus stood up. The grace stood up. Do you know that in our lives... And, and it happens all the time. I know that we have a lot of principles and laws and things that we sometimes violate or break or don't follow to the T's. And I know it. And so each time I can give you, okay, you broke this law. You broke law of the uh, sowing and reaping. You broke law of this. And I can mention this many, many, many times. But 
what I need sometimes. I need to run into God's presence to invoke protection generated by grace. I know that I violated this, this principle. I know that I broke the law. But God, I need your protection. Grace protects against the punishment of the law. That's the demonstration here. I like this Psalm 1914. David says, The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. How many times did we violate on purpose or inadvertently some sort of a law. And by the grace of God, I am alive today. If I only follow everything by the law, I would not be standing here in front of you. But the grace of God is protecting you. You know, we're supposed to wear masks we have a virus. We don't know who is infected. We don't know who doesn't, is not infected. We don't know that. And I know that we have to be diligent. And I know that we have to be careful. And I know that it's not funny. And I know it's serious. I know, I know. But the Bible says that if God does not protect, then everything else is useless. It's just scripture. We can, we, can, we can try to protect ourselves as much as we want. And again, I am, I am for it. I have a mask here. I'm not saying that this is something that we need to ignore. But the Bible says, if God does not protect the house, it's not whoever is, is keeping the house, it's not effective. It's not really because by grace, we are protected. There's something that we call protective grace. Grace protects. The next point is grace elevates. Now, this, is, this story progresses when they kept questioning. He straightened up and said to them, Let anyone of you who is without sin be the force to, to, uh, to throw the stone at her. See, grace puts everything into perspective. I remember one pastor was uh, telling his story. He, 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 was, he was very sincere, and he says that they were uh, going to sleep, and uh, in his bathroom, I believe, uh, he heard a very loud noise. So they got out and ran to the bathroom with his wife, and uh, they noticed that the mirror fell down to the floor and on the ceramic floor and completely broke into pieces. And when mirror fell down on the wall, there was a hole, a big hole. And the pastor says at that point, God told him, because that was Saturday and he was supposed to preach on Sunday, and God told him, go ahead and tell people where this hole came from. And, and he says to his wife, Honey, 
I feel like God is telling me to tell people where this hole came from, but it's embarrassing. Hoping that the wife would say, oh, no, no, don't don't tell people because people will lose respect to you, pastor. Because the hole that was on the wall was created by his fist when he was in in the anger, you know, and he was just smashed the the wall. Hallelujah. And the wife said, you know what, honey? If God tells you to tell people, (laughs) just go ahead and tell people. (laughs) So he was embarrassed, but he came to the pulpit, and sometimes, you know, it's good. It's good for us. And, And so he says, yeah, I, I, I had this experience, the mirror fell down, and there was this hole, and I made it. And he says, something strange happened. Once the service uh, ended, he came, this, uh, th- this leader of the church, his assistant, he was not a hugging kind of a person, but he says he came to him and started hugging him, and the pastor was like, oh, oh, this is embarrassing. So he's not even looking at him straight because, you know, he's a pastor, and he has a hole in the wall. And, 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 and as this leader was hugging him, he says, Pastor, thank you very much for sharing the stories because I do have a hole too <laughs> in my closet. And then the, the, the pastor says something strange happened. He says, when he uh, 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 looked around, he says he saw a big line of people coming to him. And he says, in that line, there was no any female, only male. <laughs> And he says that people would come and, say, and, and tell about their holes. And he says holes were in all different kinds of places. Even some guy, which was very impressive, had a hole in the dashboard, in the car. Holes. Uh-oh, Mary Ann is talking about the hole. <laughs> Roger had four. But the point is, Jesus says, who is you without sin? Because see, when we come to church, we are all fuzzy, we are all clean, we are all shaved, and we, we, we like to be so holy on the stage. And then when you look at your life, in some dark corners of your life, there is a lot of holes in there. That, that needs to be taken care of. And, and in this particular case, Jesus says, who? Because Jesus knows about all the holes. Jesus looks at this Pharisee, and he sees a huge hole. Jesus looks at this Sadducee, and he sees four holes. And Jesus says, who of you without holes? Go ahead and drop the the, the stone. And nobody was able to do so. And the funny thing is, they were starting starting to leave the place. And the Bible says, older and younger. So older people had more holes, obviously, (laughs) because they had a longer time frame to make holes. And they started to leave. But the thing is, Jesus put everything in the perspective here. He says to this woman, look, 
Everybody needs a savior. Everybody had a problem. Everybody has brokenness. Everybody has a hole. You are not better than anybody else, but you are not worse than anybody else. In God's eyes, everybody is the same. You, me, the bishop, the pastor, everybody is the same because we are all sinners. Grace elevates. Let me give you this quote, contrary by Kenneth Bow. Contrary to our culture, the biblical doctrine of grace humbles us without degrading us and elevates us without inflating us. Grace elevates. Now, next thing, which is going to be a little bit controversial, but I have to tell this, I have to mention this. Grace forgives. And the woman says, no one saw. And Jesus replied, neither do I condemn you. No condemnation. I don't condemn you. Jesus declared. Now, let me ask you this question. For those of you who are prone for biblical death and teaching and discussions in theological way, did this woman ask for forgiveness? Did this woman say, Jesus, please forgive me because I sinned? Forgive me, Father, for I just sinned. Did, did, did this woman do that? No. How is it that she didn't even ask for forgiveness, and yet Jesus says, I don't condemn you? It doesn't fit my religious mind, because me growing up in my church, I thought that we needed to beg God for forgiveness. It was programmed into my religious mind with the very childhood. You took gem without mama's permission, ask God for forgiveness. You stole a candy, you ask God for forgiveness. All the time. How is it that Jesus says, looking at this sinner who was caught in the act of sinning, shameful, and he says, I don't condemn you. Well, let me give you this quote by Andrew Womack. Maybe that will give you some understanding of this very complicated issue. He boldly proclaims, we don't have to ask Jesus to forgive our sins. He has already done it. And now I see chorus of religious people saying, this is heresy, this is heresy, unbiblical. How is it that we don't have to ask Jesus for forgiveness? How can you ask for something that has already been given to you? granted to you, paid for, other than you don't understand the Scripture. 
The way how it works, actually, Jesus did pay for our sins, our past, present, and future. All the sins of the entire world were paid for. It's like, you know, when you go to the restaurant and you eat with your friend, and then when it closes, the, the, the lunch is going to the end, you're thinking about who's going to pick up the bill. Uh, have you ever had that? Some of you never had this, but sometimes you, you eat and you're like, okay, I'm going to pay, maybe we can split in the middle, or he's going to take the bill. But what if you sit in the restaurant and this other party, your friend, says, don't worry about it, I'm paying the bill. So you eat, you can order whatever you want on the menu, I'm going to pay the bill. Do you know that some people don't feel uncomfortable? I don't feel uncomfortable. I, 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 let me just pay the bill. I mean, uh, tie, I mean, uh, tip. Or, or, okay, fine. You can pay my bill. Next time, I'm going to pay the bill. And I feel better. Because, you know, I am not a low life. I'm going to pay the bill next time. I'm not a freeloader. I'm going to pay the bill. That's what people do. That's why people, that's the religion does. Religion says, you forgive my sins. No, no, no. Let me, let me do a little bit religious for, for you, Jesus. Let me, do, let, me, let me read the Bible one hour a day for that. Or something like that. We come up with the payoff. We come up with the idea how to compensate for that which Jesus already done. But everything that comes as a result of it, other than Thanksgiving, is religious activity. It's like, remember a story, maybe you remember a story, somebody was driving, uh, I mean riding on the horse with the wagon, and there was this lady with a very big bag on the back. And the person says, hop in, sit on the wagon, I am moving in your direction, sit down. And so she sat, and she keeps holding the bag on the, on the, on the bag. The, the big bag, heavy bag. And, and, and the guy says, how come you're keep, you keep holding it? And she says, oh, you know what? I, 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 I really cannot overstand your welcome. You're already helping me by allowing me to your wagon, and I cannot put the bag on the wagon. I have to carry it so that the horse feels easier. That's what religion is. Jesus paid the bill. And religion says, I'm not. Let's just create something to make that receiving of your grace and forgiveness a little bit more impressive on my side by some rituals, by some, some efforts and so on. Forgiveness is a gift, as it is a grace that is given as a gift. I cannot do anything to earn it, and I cannot do anything to lose it. It's a gift. Sometimes when we preach radical grace, do you know what I, 
And that's the next point. Do you know what, I, what people, I hear what people say? Well, yeah, Pastor Oleg, but you pray, if you preach about grace too much, people will get unruly. You have to put a little bit of religion there to make people be afraid a little bit. Hold on a second. I'll finish with this. But um, the bottom line is that when we're talking about that Jesus provided forgiveness, and I agree with Pastor Andrew Wormack that there is the, the, this, the, the, the problem of the sin has been resolved. Anything has been paid. There is only one sin that remains. It's whether or not I receive Jesus Christ or reject him. If I reject Jesus Christ, that's the sin. And that's the only sin that is, there is today. Everything else is taken care of. It's either I receive His grace, it's either I receive His forgiveness or not. If I don't receive Jesus' forgiveness, that's the sin. It's the Bible. I, I, I wish it was more complicated that would satisfy your theological mind, but it's a Bible. It's called Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know before I, I almost done, but let me just give you, I, I like this story, I will give you the story. Banatorni was reading about grace of God and forgiveness of God, and, and um, he decided to Somehow God touched his heart and he decided to send all his clients. <laughs> we need more attorneys who are believers. All his clients, a letter of forgiveness, or we call it release. Release of debt. So he sent by certified mail a letter to 17 clients that says that I release you from any debt that you owe me and any liability from now and forever, kind of a thing. Complete release. To his astonishment, from 17 letters, 16 letters, because it was certified mail, was not received. People when received the letter from that attorney, knowing that the attorney they owed the attorney, they decided not to accept from the mailman and set it back to the sender, which was the attorney, never to experience forgiveness. Grace forgives, my friend, completely and absolutely. There is no bigger sin, smaller sins. There is no sins that you don't remember or you remember. It covers all the things in Christ. That's the gospel. It's a matter of you receiving it or not. And I am finishing up with grace instructs. Now, this is to those people who are so afraid that grace will make people unruly. Listen, 
Once Jesus says, neither I condemn you, do you know what he says next? Jesus declared, go now and live your life of sin. Grace not just accepts, not just protects, not just elevates, not just forgives, but also instructs. But let me ask you this question. On this story, this very simple story that everybody knows by heart, who can tell me the order of things? Is it significant? Could Jesus be just a little bit like me, who likes to give instruction to people? And when people shows up to the grace, I would like to say, you know what? Don't sin, and then you will be fine. Stop doing this, and you will be okay. Somehow, I don't like this order here. Because Jesus accepts, Jesus protects, elevates, forgives, and only then, and only then, He instructs. I wonder, I wonder what would happen in our churches if we follow this order. Because we do need to instruct people, that's for sure. Let me, let me give you this verse and then I will wrap it up. Listen, in Titus 2, 11, 12, read it very carefully, especially if you're bending towards being Pharisee or Sadducee. Read it carefully. Listen what it says. For the grace of God that brings salvation, grace of God brings salvation, has appeared to all men. And guess what? It says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, I put it here on the screen, self-control, righteously and godly in the present age. Who teaches you? Who teaches people? Grace. Law doesn't teach anything. We all know that we have a problem and deficiency and inadequacy. We know it. Don't tell me that I have a problem. Give me grace because grace is something that not only shows me things, but also enables me to overcome it. Grace enables you to conquer your deficiency. That's what we know. That's what we need today. We need grace today. I am praying to my God that I am as a person be a more gracious person in my life. Be more gracious father. Be more gracious spouse. We need grace today. I can come to my children and say, yeah, you know, my, my, my son, Danny, who never receives anything but A's, nothing, came to me the other day, and he said that he got uh, 80, because the quiz was, stupid quiz, eight, I mean, um, five questions, so each question worth 20 points, and he somehow being, you know, 
he, he knows the material. He doesn't pay attention. He by accident put the wrong question. And he got 80. You know, in our family, we don't have 80s. We don't use 80s. We don't use Bs. And at first, no, I, I actually was, I, I was actually very gra graceful. It's okay. It's okay. 80. C, B. Okay, we'll be fine. Be graceful. I am praying that we as a church use this expression of grace every day of our life. What would happen if we as a church accept people where they are? What would happen if we as a church protect people against the vicious attacks of the enemy, pray for them? And even if people do some mistakes, some stupid, foolish things, grace protects. Not the sin, but a person. Elevates. What if, what if we elevate people who come to church? Not scold them, not criticize them, not judge them, but elevate people. What would happen if we forgive others as we were forgiven? Forgive others as we were forgiven. What would happen? And then, after you did everything, like I mentioned, we instruct people not to do fully foolish things. As we are approaching the communion time. And I encourage again to use social distancing. Be careful. Don't be foolish. Don't be stupid. I would like to pray for the elements right now. But I also wanted to encourage every single person here As we pray, by faith, receive God's acceptance hide by faith through grace in God's protection. I don't care what law you violated. It has to stop today by grace. I know that God can change things around and redeem the time that you have lost and things that were made 
some wrongs that you did, God can change these things around by grace. But you take these elements today, which is the expression of God's grace, why don't you, by faith, receive God's protection against the law that is chasing you? I don't know what you did wrong. I don't know what kind of rule you violated. And frankly, I don't really care. Because God's grace is sufficient. What's the theology of this? There is no theology. It's just a story. God's grace is protective grace. What if today when you participate in the communion as a part of this ministry, you accept God's elevation in your life, elevation. Maybe you were down for such a long time. Maybe you thought that you were good for nothing. Maybe you thought it all your failures and mistakes and the fact that people don't like you and criticize you and you start stopped liking you. Maybe your family criticized you. Maybe your parents were overly critical. I don't know. I don't know. But what if today, through the ministry of grace, you receive this elevation that you are a son and a daughter of God. Nobody can diminish that. Nobody can minimize that. Elevation. What if today through this ministry you receive a complete or experience a new, a complete and full forgiveness of all the sins and mistakes and shortcomings and problems and misgivings that you had in our lives. Because I want you to make it clear today, Jesus is saying to somebody here, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. You thought that I condemn you, but I don't condemn you. And as a part of this ministry, if we receive divine enablement to go and live my life of sin. What if I tell Jesus today, God, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to live in sin anymore. I don't want to watch this stuff on the computer anymore. I don't want to make holes in the walls anymore. I don't want to be, I don't want to lie anymore. Please enable me to live a holy life through your grace. Close your eyes and bow your hands. 